Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Genesis. Um, my name's Joe, and there goes my card. I'm going to try to sit uh, and preach, and that's a first for me. I've never sat and preached, so we'll see how long this chair makes it up here. A um, couple of quick announcements, two quick ones. Um, on your card, probably underneath your butt, there's a couple of these little cards. One with an adorable little bald man, similar to myself. Um, goes by the name of Charlie Hall, um, and he's a musician, he's a worship leader, and um, he's kind of a big deal. Um, he's up there with like Chris Tomlin, and um, who's the other guy with the long beard and hair? Yes, the Crowder guy. Um, He's kind of cool. He's very talented. He's going to be coming to Genesis and actually playing um, on September 17th on a Friday, 8 p.m. Doors will open at 7 p.m. Uh, admission is $10, and uh, Michael tells me that tickets are probably going to sell soon, um, but they will be made available to Genesis people first. So uh, if you want to go, I suggest getting your ticket soon. Also, there's another little card underneath your butt that uh, says get connected or we want to get to know you or something like that. It has somebody holding up a picture frame. Uh, if you guys are new here and you want to fill that out, uh, they're going to send you some emails just to get connected with you and uh, make sure somebody talks with you and invites you back to Genesis and different events and stuff like that. Uh, you won't get spam email and all that stuff. We're not about that. But um, So I think those are the only two announcements we had. Um, so let's pray real quick. Uh, Lord, we thank you for another Sunday that we can gather in your name. Uh, you are good. Uh, you are God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for salvation. Uh, Lord, we also ask that you would bless uh, Zach and Amanda as they get ready to marry each other today. We ask you to bless their wedding and bless the receptions. I pray that um, people would just rejoice in them, in, in their marriage. And I pray uh, for the words that Michael will, will speak that um, your gospel will go forward. Uh, Lord, bless the words that I speak. May you work through me. Uh, bless the worship. We invite you here, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're, we're in the middle of a series on Proverbs, and um, so we, uh, Michael Davis had asked me to, to speak today, and um, because Zach and Amanda are getting married, and they invited 90% of the church to the wedding, um, and all the leadership is gone. So here I am. And um, I, I have spoken before. Um, am I still on? Okay. Um, so I'm going to give a little introduction to who I am and why I'm up here. And um, I've never spoken with this little earpiece either. I'm usually holding a mic. Uh, so this is kind of new for me. I kind of feel like Bobby Brown in the early 90s. The, thing. So, um, yeah, so Michael asked me to preach, and um, he sent me this list of different topics to preach. Um, you know, I could have spoken on fear, or, or marriage, or men and women, and I was like, no, I'm not even going to touch that one. I'll let the pastor define men and women, and their roles, and all that. I don't even want to go near that. Um, nothing really resonated with me. Um, uh, but the Lord's been kind of refining uh, work in my life, and um, I'll speak about that in a second. But um, I just want to give you guys a quick intro to who I am. Um, my name's Joe. Um, I've been a, a Christian uh, for about 16 years. I got saved in 1994. I was in uh, the seventh grade um, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was born and raised a Catholic, and... Um, Catholicism is a form of Christianity, and both sides of my family are Catholic. Um, both sides of my family are Italian, so there may be a lot of hand movement up here. Don't get nervous. That's just how it goes. And um, so I'm automatically cool because I'm Italian. I grew up in Rivera, so I'm automatically tough. Um, and Catholicism, there's a lot of vain tradition. Um, I do believe they're Christians. I do believe they will be in heaven. Uh, but there's a lot of vain tradition and um, a lot of prayers that, that were already written that didn't come from the heart. There's a lot of, um, just a lot of vain tradition that didn't line up with the Bible. So I, I'm not a Catholic anymore, but God bless, bless the Catholics, and I, and I love them, and, and I pray for them. And they are Christians, like I said. Um, 
So I've been a Christian for 16 years, and um, what what keeps me going and what tells me that this is real is the fact that I've been seeking after Christ for 16 years, and it hasn't gotten old. Um, if it wasn't real, if it wasn't um, uh, growing, living, if it wasn't a real faith, I think I would have found something else to move on to. You know, uh, I would have found something more exciting. I would have found something better to do with my time than, than come to church on a Sunday and um, listen to music and, and pray and listen to messages. Um, but that's how I know this is real. It's still exciting to me. I'm still hungry for it. I, I still want to grow. I still want to know the Lord. I still want to read the Bible. I still want to seek after Christ. I'm still amazed at this man, um, at this God man who would come and become a human and take my place and die upon a cross for me. Um, there's no other religion, there's no other God that claims to have come and become a human and sacrificed himself for his children. There's no other religion, there's no other faith like the, like the Christian faith. There's no other faith that lays it out from start to finish of God creating the world, of God creating the universe, and how it's all going to go down in the end. Uh, there's no other faith like that, and there's no other road like the road that leads to heaven. Um, and that's what excites me, that's what keeps me here, that's what keeps me moving. Um, so what qualifies me to be up here and preach? Um, the Lord uses the foolish to confound the, the wise, and, you know, amen, that's why I'm here. I'm just a heartbeat, and the Lord will do anything with a willing heart. Um, and it's not uh, what qualifies me, um, but it's the, the better question is who qualifies me, and that's Jesus Christ. We read in Scripture that Jesus chose fishermen and tax collectors, and he chose... Um, uh, a tent maker, when he chose Paul, he chose Luke, who was a, a physician. And if there were electricians back there, he probably would have chosen an electrician. And, and that's what I do. I do electrical work. And it's God who qualifies me to preach. It's God who qualifies any of us to do anything for the Lord. Um, so I don't have credentials like maybe some pastors or elders do. I don't have a degree. Um, I'm just me. I'm just a willing heart, and I'm, I'm here to serve. Um, and, and serve with a willing heart, and, and I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to help out, um, and it, it, it's exciting. I haven't been nervous this whole time prepping for the message until they put the microphone on me, and then I got a little nervous because I felt like Bobby Brown, like I said, and now it's legit. I got the microphone on, and, and now it's legit. Um, so why preach on work? Um, like I said, I've been a Christian for about 16 years, and in 16 years I've heard one message on work. Um, that I can remember. It was an excellent message, and one of the few messages that I actually took notes um, on the back of an announcement card, and I was just pumped up, and I was inspired. Um, and maybe it's been different for you, and I hope it has been, but I've heard many messages on uh, Sabbath and how to rest and how to be a good witness, and but one message in 16 years on work, um, I, I, I think it deserves a little more attention than that. Um, I looked up on the website of uh, the Department of Labor, and they had a little pie chart of the average American and their average time, their average day, and where their time goes. And um, so, what I found out that uh, this is what the pie chart said: we spend eight and a half hours working, seven and a half hours sleeping, two and a half hours uh, between leisure and sport, one and a half hours of miscellaneous, one and a half hours of caring for others, and one hour of housework. So work consumes our day. It takes up the most time in all of our day. Um, I spend more time with my coworkers than I do with my wife. I spend more time working, making someone else money than I do reading my Bible and praying. That's just that's the way it goes. That's how society has it set up. We work eight hours a day. And um, I have a terrible cold, so I'm up here with Kleenex in my pocket and water, and so if I start sniffling and stuff, you guys are just going to have to deal with it, let's just be honest. Um, so work consumes our, our whole day, and I think it deserves a little more attention than one message in, in 16 years. Um, we should be uh, educated in work. We should be Christians at work. Uh, something that takes up this much of our time um, deserves a little more focus, a little more... Um, uh, a little more, we need to give it a little more energy, a little more thought. Um, and I think as Americans, we have this twisted, um, this twisted sense of work and what work is, what our work ethic is. We live in a, a country that's been blessed from uh, the very foundations of, of the start of this country. We've been blessed with uh, technologies and innovations and 
we've created so many jobs over the years, and it's awesome, and, and our country's been blessed beyond measure. Um, you know, the technology in medicine and technology and, um, you know, and travel with airplanes and trains and the automobile, and we, we're just a blessed nation. And we're so blessed that I think we've taken a lot of, a lot of, this, uh, a lot of these blessings for granted. And I came across this article uh, while I was doing some research, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it's about uh, our American work ethic. And right now it's kind of a hot topic because of what's going on in Arizona. Um, if you don't know, they're trying to pass some laws that um, concern the illegal aliens. And, um, you know, this is nothing against immigrants because we're all immigrants. We've all come from different countries. Um, but it's a hot topic with illegal immigrants because they come to this nation, they take advantage of the government, and they're not paying taxes. And, you know, we're, as Christians, we're supposed to uh, obey the law of the lands, and we're supposed to work well and, and, um, and support our government, support our... Uh, communities. Um, so this is, this is just an article I, uh, I came across, and I'm not going to tell you who wrote it. Um, Genesis as a church does not endorse this guy. I don't know who he is, but his first name is Lord, um, so maybe it's almost Christian. But um, <laughs> let me just read this article real quick. As the American economy starts to slow down, major corporations have started to downsize while others have gone out of business. There are lean times ahead, but instead of trying to get back on our collective feet, Americans have left it up to the government to give, out, to give a handout to major businesses in hopes that the money will trickle down towards them. The only trouble is that American work, the American worker is becoming more complacent while immigrants are ready and willing to do much harder work and take less of a handout. Immigrants who come to this nation tend to do jobs that no one else will do. They tend to come from places where starvation is a possible outcome for being lazy. There is no welfare safety net for someone sick, unable, or unwilling to work. They either do what needs to be done to support themselves in the, and support their families, or they simply die. It's that simple. When those kind of workers immigrate to America, they bring that work ethic with them. Their work ethic is produced, I'm talking about Americans now, their work ethic is produced by a culture of, if I fall down, someone will pick me up. The economic bailout package going through Congress is a perfect example of this. The government is spending close to a trillion dollars to pick up other people, to fix others' mistakes, and to allow them to feel without repercussions. The welfare state of the nation is what is killing the American worker. The immigrant work ethic is move with a purpose or starve to death. Failure is not an option. They keep their pride by working hard and do not want to be lazy, complacent, or entitled. They want to build up their household for the next generation so the next generation won't have to put newspapers in mailbox or wash dishes or be forced to mow lawns all summer. With so many jobs being lost, Americans need to learn the lesson of the, immer the immigrant work ethic. Or better yet, Learn the work ethic from their grandparents and great-grandparents who, who come to this country as immigrants themselves, or else the next generation will have, to cradle, will have cradle to grave welfare and never know what it is to work for a living. Like I said, we've been blessed beyond measure in this, company, in this country. And um, as Americans, we've been born and raised, and we've grown up to, to learn that when you're 16, you get your working papers and you go to work and you produce a check and you go buy a car and you pay insurance and you pay for gas and then you get a, an apartment or buy a house and then you get a better car and you just go to work and it's just part of, it's just something we do. And we've been blessed and we take a lot of these blessings for granted. We don't go to work with the, with the attitude that I want to work hard, I want to be a blessing to my company, um, I don't want to be lazy. And if I am lazy, if I get laid off, there is this safety net and someone will, will pick me up when I fall. And, and don't get me wrong, unemployment is a blessing and the, the, the laws that we have set up to, to help out people who uh, are willing to work but can't work, they're a blessing from God. And if I get laid off tomorrow, you better believe I'm going to collect an employment check and, and, and be ready and willing to work. Um, but our work ethic is, has been twisted a little bit. So that's why I want to preach on work. Also, the Lord has been refining work in my own life. Um, i got to keep a, a watch on the clock here. I, I did a, a dry run of my message yesterday, and it, it took me an hour and 20 minutes to get through the message. So I shaved a couple things off, and I'm hoping to try to move through things quickly. Um, I figure I could be, probably be the most popular preacher in the church if I keep my message down to 35, 40 minutes. Uh, I'll easily be, become popular. Um, so the Lord's been refining my own work in my life. Um, I've been getting up early trying to get some good rest. I've been getting to work. Uh, if we start at 7 o'clock, I've been trying to get to work at about 6.20, 6.30, and just kind of wake up. Um, 
there's something about getting to work at 6.59 and running out the truck, get my tools, and then going to play with wires that just doesn't mix well. I don't want to be walking on the job scratching my eyes and kind of incoherent, not knowing what's going on. I like to get to work early, wake up a little bit, um, and put in a good day's work. Um, I don't know why the Lord's been refining my work ethic. Um, maybe it's for this very reason, so I come here and preach this message and not be a hypocrite. Um, but I've been enjoying my work that much more, going to work and just trying to put in a good day's work and do everything well. Um, I've really been enjoying my job, and I'm not just going to work and trying to make it through the day now anymore. I'm really trying to put forth a good effort and be a blessing to my company, be a blessing to my coworkers, um, and be a blessing to the Lord because our work is worship, and it's counted as worship to the Lord. Um, so I want to talk about what work is and what work isn't. Um, who or what defines work? Work is pretty much what we put our hands to. In uh, Colossians 3.23, let's try this out. There we go. Um, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Now the scripture, the key word there in the scripture is whatever you do. Work is whatever we put our hands to. Um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, and you stay at home, and you take care of the kids, and, and you're not employed quote-unquote, by a company or an employer, that is your work. You are a stay-at-home mom. Uh, work is what you put your hands to. Work is maybe cleaning the house, uh, packing lunch for, the, for your husband or your kids, dressing the kids, washing dishes, um, building a good home inside, that, inside those four walls. That is your work. Just because you don't get paid doesn't mean that's not your work. Um, and, and I think stay-at-home moms, I think that is one of the highest callings uh, a woman can have. Um, my wife works in uh, a hospital in Boston, and she's surrounded by people who are going to medical school and going to get their master's degree and their Ph.D., and, and, and my wife, um, Becca, talks about being maybe just a stay-at-home mom and raising kids, and she almost feels like uh, people look down upon her for wanting to do that someday, maybe. And that aggravates me because I really do believe it's one of the highest callings a woman can have, um, and we read in Proverbs that uh, a good wife is someone who can take care of her home and build her home. And, um, and I really think it's a high calling on a woman's life. And if that's what you do, um, don't let anyone talk bad. Don't let anyone water that down because stay-at-home moms are on call 24-7 a, a day. They don't get holidays off. They don't get paid vacations. Um, they're on call in the middle of the night. If the baby wakes up crying, um, they're there. They jump, they jump out of bed and they take care of the kid. Um, and it's a job like no one else's job, um, and you really can't put a price tag on that. Um, if, you, if you're a student here today and you, and you don't work uh, a regular 9-to-5 job or a part-time job, that is, that is your work. You are a student. You should go to school and, and read the books you're assigned to read and, and do your homework and prepare for, for tests and, and write reports, and, and that is your work. You're, you're to be a good student and do that unto the Lord. Uh, maybe you're here and you're retired. Um, Work doesn't end just because you're retired. Um, you might not collect a, a paycheck from a company anymore. You're just collecting from a retirement fund. Um, but maybe you come to church and you serve and, and you volunteer and you help out. Or maybe you just work a part-time job. Work doesn't just stop just because you're retired. You still got to take care of a house. You still got to cut the grass, um, maintain your house, um, maybe serve in the church. That is your work. You need to do it well. You need to do it for the Lord. Um, Work is not a job title. Um, I'm not defined by a title, by a pay scale. When I tell people, when people ask me what I do uh, for work, oftentimes I, I just simply say I do electrical work. I don't always say I'm an electrician and I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, I'm cool with being an electrician, but I want to be, I, it, it's just a personal thing. I don't want to identify myself as an electrician. I'm a Christian first of all, and second of all, I'm a husband. God willing, someday I'll be a father. But I'm not an electrician. That's not high up on my priority list, to be an electrician, to be titled as an electrician. I just simply do, an ele I do electrical work. Or my title does not define who I am as a person. Neither does my paycheck, my pay scale, or where I am on the corporate ladder. Um, Proverbs 11.4 says, Work says, Wealth is worthless. So we don't work just to collect a paycheck. It's not something we do just to fund our lifestyle. We can't take it with us when we leave anyways. I've never seen a, a hearse driving down the street pulling a U-Haul 
as if they're going to take it with them beyond the grave. Everything you work for, everything you save up stays here when you go. Uh, so work is not just something we do to fund our lifestyle and to try to die with the most toys and win some kind of game or, or win some kind of race. Um, next point I want to make is work is good, work is God, and work is not a curse. I think as Christians we tend to think work is a curse because of what went down with Adam and Eve and the snake and someone's eating a rotten apple and the curse and all that. Um, work in, in, it, in and of itself is, is not a curse. Work is a good thing, and we're going to hit some scriptures to, to kind of point that out. In Genesis 1.26, um, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So we read that we are made in God's image and God's likeness. And what I want to point out here is that we're not just made in God's image, but God's likeness. Um, I, I truly believe God has emotions. God gets sad, God gets happy, God gets angry, gets full of wrath. God is patient, God is loving, He's merciful, just the same as we are as humans. Don't we get angry, don't we get emotional, we get sad. Um, we get filled with love, we get filled with anger sometimes. We're made in God's image and His likeness. Um, God was a worker, and we can see that in Genesis when um, uh, God creates the heavens and the earth. He works for six days, and on the seventh day he takes a rest, and he looks at all his work and declares all his work to be good. Um, Genesis 2.15, um, we read that God had, um, the Lord God took the man and put him in this, this place called Eden. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, there's this cool garden um, called Eden. Uh, the temperature's always just right. There's a cool breeze blowing off the east. Um, it's not muggy, it's not too hot, there's not mosquitoes, there's not bugs. It's this cool place called Eden, and in Eden is um, this man called Adam. Adam, our father, Adam, the, the first of all men. Then came Eve. Um, we're reading two, Genesis 2.15 that God placed the man Adam in Eden to work it and to take care of it. So God didn't just make Adam and Eve just to exist, just to hang out in this garden. God had Adam there to work the land, to take care of it. Um, work was a part of Adam's life. Work was not hard at this point, and that's what I want people to see. Um, God stuck Adam in Eden to work it. Work was good at this point. Um, in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, um, we read, I believe it's Solomon who wrote this book. Uh, then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink, to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. Uh, verse 19. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. Work is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to get up and go work and to honor our Savior, to honor our employee, to to pull in a paycheck and, and pay for our mortgage and pay for our cars and, and support our family. Work that was designed to be good. It's a gift from God. But then at some point, Adam and Eve kind of screw up. Um, Eve ends up falling into temptation, eats the apple. Adam's standing right there, so men don't be pointing the finger at the women. Adam ends up eating the apple also, and uh, we fall into sin. And then comes on the curse. And that's what produces the curse in Genesis chapter 3. I got a lot of scriptures, so I don't feel like you got to turn there um, unless you're quick. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Um, we read that God placed upon uh, work a curse. Um, he said to Adam, because you've, listened to the wife, because you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat all the days of your life. So it's because of the curse, because of sin, that work became hard. Work in itself is not a curse. So when you're crawling around in an attic doing work in someone's house, or when you're putting together a 90-page report, um, you don't have to be putting uh, blame on Adam and cursing Adam, saying because of that stupid Adam, because of that stupid snake, because he ate that stupid rotten apple, I've got to sit here and crawl through an attic and run wires and sweat. You know, it's 90 degrees outside, it's 100 degrees in this attic, and I'm soaking wet so this person can flip a switch and turn on a light. That's not Adam's fault. Um, work, in the beginning, was good. Work was called work. That's it. But after the curse, work is now called toil. And the Lord said to Adam, From now on you will eat by the sweat of your brow, because you fell. Sin um, stained work. 
like sin does with everything else. Sin um, destroyed work and, and made it, uh, made it a, a toilsome thing, a hard thing. Uh, in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, we see that work is actually service to the Lord. Uh, it, ultimately, we work for Jesus. Uh, we don't work for that idiot who's walking around with a clipboard, giving us a hard time and scheduling us to work when we don't want to work. Um, if you have a boss like that, just remember, ultimately, it's Jesus who we work for. Ultimately, it's Jesus who opens the doors of promotions and, um, and raises and, and pay scales. It's the Lord we work for as Christians. Um, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. When we go to work, we work for Jesus. He's our ultimate um, boss. No one, up, no one is higher up on the corporate ladder than Jesus. Um, so hopefully, I'm flying through this message. This is awesome. Hopefully I've convinced you that work is not a curse, and we understand that work is meant to be a good thing. It's a gift from God. It should be a blessing to God. It should be counted as a worship to the Lord. Um, so I want to hit some spiritual things now, uh, four reasons uh, to go to work. Number one is obedience. Number two is we glorify Christ. Number three, we serve others. And number four, we provide for our legitimate needs. So there is something spiritual going on when we work. Just like when we come to church and worship and sing songs, there's something spiritual that's going on. We don't just gather here and listen to Rob and the, and the other guys put on a show and sing the songs we like that pump us up or whatever. And um, There's a spiritual side to things that we don't see. Um, in Proverbs 21, uh, verse 25, uh, we're being obedient when we work, um, which is worship to the Lord. We have a, a set of instructions in this Bible we have a map that's already mapped out for us to get to heaven. We have rules and regulations, and we need to be obedient to the, the, the word of God and the spirit of Christ. And Proverbs 21, 25 says, The sluggard's cravings will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Have you ever met anyone that just doesn't want to work? They go from job to job and from city to city. I have someone in my family. I'm not going to name who it is. I'm not going to tell you if he's a cousin or a brother or a wife. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> He goes from job to job. He's a, he's a wicked, talented kid, and, and I love him to death. And he's the kind of kid who can and put his hands to anything. And he's just artistic, and he's talented, and he's real good with, um, with cars and motorcycles and welding or building something. And, you know, if you want to design a, a wolf howling at the moon in the back of your trunk and you want it to be detailed so you can pet the wolf and feel his fur. I mean, he can do that for you. I don't know how, but he has a talent to come up with these ideas to do it for you. And he's a real talented kid, and I really do love him. But he, he's older than I am, and he's probably close to 30. And I know of two legitimate jobs that he's had in his life where he's actually gone to work and produced an actual paycheck that he could take to the bank. Um, he just goes from job to job, and he can't hold down a job. He's a sluggard. He doesn't want to work. He's irresponsible, and he just wants to feed off of other people in the family. And if he needed help, I don't think I would be so quick to help him, to give him a handout or give him money um, because of his nature of work. He just doesn't want to work. He can't hold down a job. And I'm not saying if he was dead on the street and didn't have a place to go, I would obviously help him out and open my house to him. But um, you have to be wary of these people. These are idle people. They don't want to work. And we read in Thessalonians... Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, and also in 2 Thessalonians, Paul tells us to stay away from these people. They're idle people. Paul tells us to make it your, your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as you were told. There's people out there that don't want to live a quiet life. They don't want to mind their own business. Um, they're into everyone else's business. They're busy, busy bodies, and they don't want to work. They don't want to do what they're meant to do. They're idle people. In 2 Thessalonians Chapter 3, Paul tells us just to stay away from these people. They're no good. Don't get involved with these people. Um, can we throw up Second Thessalonians? Okay. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Um, Paul just tells us to stay away from uh, these idle people. They're no good. At one point he says, if they won't work to admonish them uh, as a brother, to not to, re not to regard them as an enemy, but don't, there we go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, 
We command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teachings you receive from us. So there are people that just don't want to work. They want to live off the government. They want to live off the fat of the land. They want to go from house to house and just live off of people and, and live off of someone else's fruits. These are idle people, and we need to stay away from them. Um, we're commanded to work. We don't need to be called to work. I know a group of people in, in a whole church, they're just real emotional people. And they're always trying to one-up each other and who can have the highest standard of living. And this guy doesn't listen to carnal music and he doesn't watch uh, any movie that's rated over PG. And, you know, this guy doesn't wear sneakers because they're made in the world and he wants to walk around barefoot and be, you know, natural like Jesus. And they're just real emotional people. And in this group of people, it's like everyone has to be involved in ministry. Everyone has to be an elder or a deacon or everyone's got to be involved in ministry in some way. Everybody's got to preach and teach and everyone's got to prophesy. And um, Like there's no average Joes, there's no average Christians. Uh, everyone's trying to one-up each other. And there's this new guy in the church and um, he's a plumber. And, and someone asked him, why isn't he involved in the church? And why isn't he preaching or teaching or, or witnessing or, or doing full-time ministry? And he said, well, I just really feel called to be a plumber. Um, why do you have to feel called to be a plumber? We're commanded to work. Uh, throughout the Bible, we're commanded to work. You don't need a calling. You don't need a prophecy. You don't need the heavens to part and get struck by lightning in your backside to, to go to work. Go to work. It's already laid out in the Bible. That's like waiting for a calling or a prophecy to be faithful to your wife. You know, just, just do it. We're commanded to do it in the Bible. We don't need a special calling to be faithful to our wives or to go to church. It's already laid out. It's already commanded for us in the Bible. Um... It's, it's kind of like um, the Genesis softball team just won the, the championship. And every Saturday they went out and they played a doubleheader. And they made it through the regular season, won a lot of games, lost a couple, and they made it into the first round of the playoffs. And they won some more games. They made it to the second round of the playoffs, and then they made it to the championship. Imagine if they all met in the parking lot on Saturdays. And instead of going to play the game, they just held hands and prayed and, and said, let's really believe that God's going to deliver us and, and give us a championship this, this year, guys. Let's not go to the, the games. Let's just really have faith and believe. There'd be foolishness. You've you got to go out. Faith has to, action has to accompany faith. All right, that would be foolishness. You don't need a calling. Just go out and work. Second thing we're doing is we're glorifying Christ. We need to work well. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, uh, verse 23 says... Um, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Uh, we got to go out and work. Um, we got to go out and work hard. We have to go out and work well. Jesus started his ministry uh, around the age of 30. So at least 20 years or so, Jesus was a carpenter. He could have came as Lord God and just cast people down on their knees and committed them to worship him. But Jesus came as a baby born of a virgin birth. He grew up. He was a, a toddler. He was a a teenager, he grew up and he got a job, he was a carpenter. Jesus worked well. I'm sure Jesus' tables were level. I'm sure his chairs weren't wobbly. I'm sure all his joints fit tight. I'm sure he wasn't showing up to work hungover or showing up to work late or banging in because he didn't want to um, go to work that particular day. I'm sure Jesus was an excellent carpenter. Um, and he came, in a, and I believe he was a carpenter because he wanted to lay out um, and be an example to us. He wanted to lay out how life was meant to live, be lived. Um, Jesus came as a man. He didn't have to come as a man. He could have come as Lord God. But he came as a cop and he worked with his hands. Um, Martin Luther has a pretty cool quote um, that I heard in a message. And I looked it up on the internet. And uh, um, People um, tend to think that you need to be in ministry to work well, or to, to work and, and have your work be counted as worship to the Lord. Um, but that's not true. Uh, Martin Luther says, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she's singing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves a clean floor. God wants us to work well. God wants us to have you sweep a floor for a living. Do it for the glory of God. Do it to glorify your Father in heaven. God works well. We should work well. Second part of that quote, The Christian shoemaker does... His Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. God wants us to be good workers and to work well. Um, God doesn't want me to go to work all day and, and preach the gospel and read my Bible. Um, if I did that, I would be stealing from my, from my company. And I, I, I grew up with Christians who were like this, and 
Um, it is stealing from the company. You're there, you're hired to do a job. Go to work and do it. If you want to read your Bible during lunch, if you want to witness and, and pray for people during lunch on your own time, that's awesome. But don't do it on company time. Don't do it on, on your employer's time because you're stealing. You're getting paid to work. We need to go there and work well, and that alone is our witness, that we do good work. Um, we're displaying, like I said, the very image and likeness of our Creator. Proverbs 22.29 says, Do you see a man who's skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. We need to go to work and be skilled at our work. And as we work, your work will get recognized. Your work will, will, you'll produce good work, and you'll see that God will exalt you if you're humble and just go to work. God resists the um, proud, but he exalts the humble. Your work will produce a good witness, and you will get recognized. Um, like I said, I've been trying to be a good worker and a good employee in my own life, and um, I've been, God's been working in my own life for about, I don't know, six months to a year to be a good worker and a good employee. And I've gone to work, and I've really tried to do real nice work and nice, neat work, and I've had, uh, and this is not to pat myself on, on the back, but just to give an example, I've had, um, you know, when I'm wiring things and stuff, I try to be real nice, bend my, not, bend my wires just so, so everything looks straight and neat, and I might take it a little too far. I have co-workers that tease me and say, you know, Joe, it's not a museum, we're not working in a church here, just get the work done. <laughs> but I've had architects come to me and say, you know, hey, can I take some pictures of your wiring, would you mind? I, I teach a class after work, and... Um, I would really like to show them, you know, this is how wiring should be done. This is how an electrical panel should look. Um, and, and those are the kind of compliments I've been getting. I've had guys come up to me and, and say, hey, you do really nice work. Do you do any side work? I got some work that needs to be done on, in the house, and I would really like you to do some work because it seems like you do real nice work. seems like you know what you're doing. Um, and that's the way we should work. We should work, and our work should be done to the point where we get recognized and people are complimenting us. And, and I'm the youngest guy on the job site. These guys that are twice my age and have twice the experience. And, and customers are coming to me asking me to do side jobs. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Either that I'm really anal at my work. I don't know. But um, I, I really try to work for the glory of God. And whether I'm working in an attic or a basement or whether I'm crawling up a, a wind turbine 250 feet in the air, even if the work is never going to be seen, I really try to do a good job because ultimately I'm working for Christ and it's Jesus that sees everything we do. Um, so we're glorifying Christ with our work, hopefully, um, and we display the very image and likeness of God. Um, Proverbs 16.11, um, Fred, I didn't give this scripture to you. I added it, added it last minute. Um, says that honest scales and balances are from the Lord. We need to be honest with our work. If you go to work and you work six hours, and you're going to get paid for eight, that's not really honest. I'm paying you to do a job. You should be honest. Um, if you, uh, There's times where I've left work early. Maybe I've worked only seven hours, and I know I'm going to get paid late, uh, get paid for eight. I've called the office and said, you know, hey, I've only worked seven hours today. Don't put me in for eight. Put me in for seven. Because I want to be honest. I want to be, I want to get paid for the, the time I'm there, and... I don't want to rip off my employer because I'm there to be a blessing. Uh, which brings me to my next point. We serve men uh, when we work. We're there to be a blessing. Um, we're serving our bosses. We're serving the owner of our company. We're serving our families. If you're a stay-at-home mom, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of the heart, just as you would obey Christ. Uh, we're there to be a blessing to our companies. We're there to be a blessing to the owners of our companies and our co-workers. We're there to obey our, our earthly masters. Um, and we're there to obey them as we obey Christ. Now, that's a pretty big scripture to me because you're telling me to obey the idiot with a clipboard giving me a hard time the same way I would obey Christ. Now, you're talking about the king of kings and the lord of all lords, and I'm supposed to obey this guy who's giving me a hard time. I have to obey him the way I obey Christ. Um, that's kind of a big thing. I mean, Jesus is lord of all. He's, he's savior of my life, and I worship him. I love him more than anything else in my life, and I, I have to obey this guy the same way I obey Christ. It kind of, I don't know, it doesn't sit naturally with me. But that's the way the Lord wants us to look at the people who are above us the people who are in authority above us. We're to serve them, we're to serve them well. And that is our witness. 
Um, do you own a business uh, here today? Some of us are business owners. Maybe you're a carpenter or a plumber or maybe you fix bicycles like Mike Alfonso. Maybe you own your own business and you don't really have a boss. You don't have someone who really signs your check and gives you benefits. Uh, don't think you get off easy. Um, if you own a business, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 9 6 verse 9 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart. Oh, wrong one. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both your master and yours, he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. If you own your own business, ultimately we work for Jesus, like I said. You need to treat your employees well. You need to have uh, honest scales and balances, like we read in Proverbs 16. Um, don't take advantage of your, your employees. Don't take advantage of your customers. If you quote someone that it's going to take you two weeks to build a deck, try to get it done in two weeks. Don't take your time and, and drag the job out to four weeks because there's no other work after that. If you quote someone and say it's going to cost $400 to put, install this light fixture, do it and charge them $400. Don't charge them $500 and at the end of the job and say, well, it was a little harder than I thought. I'm going to have to charge you $500. And, and we don't preach condemnation here. We preach grace and not legalism. If it's legit and the job ends up taking longer than you originally thought, obviously be honest and, and don't don't cheat yourself. But be honest with your with your work and um, be honest with the customers and, and treat your employees well. Um, as we serve uh, men and we're to be a blessing, we also serve. Our work is to serve as a witness. Um, St. Francis of Assisi says to preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use, uh, use words. Um, our work is to be our witness. Doesn't this world long for hope? Doesn't, doesn't this world long to, to follow something? Our work should be our witness. People will come to know you as a Christian by how you work. They'll see that you're an honest employee. They'll see that you do honest work. Um, I used to work at a factory uh, years ago, and me and one of my closest friends were... Um, you know, we were young, we were on fire for the Lord, and we were working, and uh, we, were, we were pretty vocal about our faith, and um, he was a little more vocal than I was. Uh, he would be praying for people during lunchtime and laying hands on people and sharing the gospel with people, and um, some of our coworkers used to tease us and persecute us because um, of it, and so as, as the years went on, people came to know us as Christians, and one guy called us the Christian Coalition, and... Um, one of the guys used to tease us and persecute us a lot um, came up to my friend one day and said, you know, hey, my, my mom's kind of struggling with drugs and she's not doing well and it's not looking good. Do you think you can pray for her? Um, you know, it must have taken some courage for this guy to come up and ask for prayer after he's been persecuting and, and teasing these two Christians that he used to work with. Um, but I, so I work serves as a witness to people. The world needs hope. Go to a sporting event. Go to a baseball game. People are longing and looking for something to worship. Um, you go to a Red Sox game and people are dancing. They're holding up signs and they're lifting their hands the same way we lift our hands and hair. Um, and, and people follow the Red Sox and they know stats and they know how much this player weighs and you know how his divorce is going and how much money he makes. and It's almost like a cult following. People are longing and hungry to follow something. They want to worship something. They want to be part of an organization. They want to be part of a church. And there's nothing wrong with going to sports uh, venues and going to a football game. I know I'm a big Red Sox fan. And, but people are longing for something. They want hope in this life. They want something to cling to. They want something to be a part of. And we need to be witnesses on the job site. And it starts with our work. It starts with showing up on time. It starts with being a good witness and just doing what we're paid to do. So we serve men and we're to be a blessing and to our companies and to our coworkers, and every morning when I go to work, I ask God to, to bless my hands and everything I put them to. Um, I really want the job site to be blessed simply because I'm there, because I'm there working. Not because I'm some dynamic electrician or I got nasty skills, but the Holy Spirit lives in me, and I'm a witness to Christ. That's what Christian means. We are the Christ ones. I want the, the job site to be a blessing. I want the company to be blessed because I'm there working, honest, and I'm putting forth a good work. Um, a good work ethic, and I want the whole job site to be blessed simply because I'm there living out the gospel and worshiping God with my hands. Uh, the next point I want to make is we provide for our legitimate needs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. 
Um, we go to work, obviously, for practical reasons, to, to pull in a paycheck. We get cars to pay for. We get rent to pay for. We have, um, you know, food to buy. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. We got to work. Um, you can't just live off the fat of the land. You just can't collect an unemployment check and never go to work. Um, I like the second half of this verse. It says, he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. How many quick get get rich quick schemes are out there? There's commercials, there's emails. Uh, everyone's looking for the easy way out. Nobody wants to work. Um, I'm in the process of kind of going to school part-time, and I've been, I'm going on 10 years uh, to finish my associate's degree. And it's been a long process, and I'm hoping to finish next year. Um, so I'm looking in, I'm on Monster.com, and I'm looking at different jobs to see maybe if it'll open a door, maybe I can do something a little different, or um, maybe not, not work with my hands so much so I don't have to be carrying a ladder when I'm 58 years old and climbing up wind turbines 200 feet in the air. Maybe I can do something with my brain and, and not just, just my hands. So I'm on Monster.com, and I'm looking at all these different jobs, and... I have no idea what I would want to do other than electrical work. Um, and I'm looking around and all of a sudden I start looking at what jobs pay the most. And next thing you know, I'm, on, I'm Googling what jobs pay the most that, with, that I can get with my credentials and my degrees and my license. And I'm looking at jobs to see how I can make the most money and do the less work. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Do I really want to make six figures a year and not really work hard, not really work well. Um, you know the old saying, money makes the world go round? Well, the Bible has a saying and it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of money. It's funny how we base our plans on how much money we're going to make and we go to school and you know, I'll pick this degree and I'll pick this career because it's going to give me six figures and it's going to allow me to take four weeks paid vacation and I'm really not going to have to work that hard. It's funny how money motivates us. Um, so the love of money is evil, and, and I couldn't believe that I was actually looking at different careers based on how much I would get paid instead of what I would love to do or what my talents um, would, would help me to do well um, or doing something that um, I know I would be good at. I'm not going to search for a career in basketball, obviously, because I only stand five foot four and a half. Okay, I'm not going to apply to be a bouncer at a nightclub um, because again I'm only five foot four and a half um, but I should be looking for a job that matched my skill sets um, obviously if you're there was a basketball player I think is I think it was David Robinson and he's like seven feet tall or something and he joined the Navy and he wanted to work on the submarine and He's seven feet tall, and a submarine obviously has limited space, and I think he ended up getting like an honorable discharge and kind of retiring out of the Navy early because he's too tall to be in a sub. So obviously don't try to be in the Navy and work in a submarine if you're seven feet tall. All right, we're made to do certain things. God's given us certain skills and abilities, and, and we should seek jobs that, that match up with those abilities and those skills. Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26 the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Uh, you got to work if you want to eat. Tomorrow I'm going to be hungry, so I better work today. It's, it's that simple. We got to work. We got to put our hands to the plow and produce and provide for our family. Um, when I was younger, um, I used to just go into the fridge and the freezer and take out food and cook it and eat it up. And the next day I'd go back in the freezer and there'd be food in there again. And I'd just keep eating. And I'd go through that cycle. And I used to tell people I had this magic hamper. I would throw dirty clothes in the magic camper, and then the next day they would end up in my drawer folded and clean, and it was the greatest thing in the world. And It was sad when I got married and moved out and had my own house because I kept putting clothes in the hamper, but they just stayed there. And I kept taking food out of the, the, out of the cupboard and out of the, the fridge, and the fridge just got empty. Like something was wrong with these things, and I didn't know what's going on, and I realized that... I have to work and I have to produce a paycheck and I have to actually go out and buy these things and I actually have to carry clothes downstairs to the laundry. Um, it was the weirdest thing. and um, So we got to work and for obvious reasons, to provide for our legitimate needs. Um, 1 Timothy 5.8 
If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. That last line is a little scary. Um, he's denied the faith and is worse off than an unbeliever if you don't work. That's a, that's a serious line. That's a serious scripture. Um, We've got to work. We've got to provide for our family. Um, you know, and again, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that's your work. If you're a student, that's your work. Um, you know, look at uh, Eric and Joel and uh, Joey used to play the guitar. These guys go to school, and they're, they're Berkeley students. And we've been blessed for months and, and months because they, they play well. They play the instruments well. And, and I'm sure they've put in their time and studied at Berkeley, and they've taken their tests. And um, I don't think you guys are just born and could play the piano and stuff, right? I mean, you obviously had to learn it at some point and put in some effort. Um, that's their work. That was their work while they were at Berkeley. They had to put forth an effort and study and, and learn how to play. And they obviously did their work well because they come up here every week and, and they bless us and they just have talent pouring out of their air. Um, and and that's, that's their work and they need to do it well. Um, so we got to work. If we don't work, we're worse off than an unbeliever. Um, God didn't save us just to be uh, lazy bums and to not work and just to study scripture all day and witness all day. Um, we wouldn't eat if that was the case. Um, we have a guy in life group, and I'm not going to tell you who he is because I didn't get his permission. Um, one, one week we had um, kind of like a prayer week where we all, I forget how we set it up, if we prayed on, for the guy to the left of us or something, or we drew names out of a hat, I forget how it went. But I had to pray for this one guy, and I asked him, um, you know, hey, Bill, what do you want? What's your prayer request? What can I pray for you? And uh, he said, I just want to work. I, I just want a job. And, you know, his prayer request wasn't, I want a job in the food industry, or I want to be the chief financial officer of a, of a big company. He said, I just want to work. And I was like, wow, this, this guy just wants to work. He's just hungry to work, and he's just having a hard time finding a job. And, and I prayed for him that week, and... Just last week, he, or a couple weeks ago in Life Group, he, he had a little testimony that he got a job, and the interview went well, and he's going to be working at, uh, at this place. Um, I won't tell you what it is, again, because I didn't get his permission, but it's, it's the kind of job where you know, I would compare it to a Dunkin' Donuts or a Burger King or um, you know, a place like that. It's not a glamorous place. Um, it's not something you'd stand up and be like, Hey, I got a job at Dunkin' Donuts serving coffee, or I got a job uh, flipping Big Macs and serving fries, and um, you know. But he's just so happy to have a job, and it was so encouraging to me um, because here I am, and I got a license to do electrical work in the state of Massachusetts, and and I was going to work just bummed out, just sick of doing work, and I wasn't enjoying my job, and I have these people out there cleaning toilets and changing diapers and working at. Dunkin' Donuts, or being a janitor and, and cleaning up puke from little kindergarten kids. I mean, there's so many things I could be doing that weren't as glamorous as electrical work. And, and there's people out here like this guy in Life Group that was just happy to work and just happy to, to make a paycheck. And it was so encouraging to me. Um, and, and then that, that's all he wanted. He just wanted to work. Um, in James chapter 2, verse 17... Um, it says, in the same way, faith by itself, is not, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Uh, if you're here today and you're looking for a job and maybe you've gotten out of college and you've had a hard time finding a job and you're unemployed and you're collecting a, an unemployment check, um, keep faith and, and know that God provides all that we need. God will open the doors, um, but be proactive. Don't sit at home, just collect that unemployment check and and eat all day and be lazy and, and never put forth an effort. I'm sure this guy who I was praying for was out there and he was on Monster.com and sending out his resume and going out on interviews. You have to have faith. Faith without work is dead. Don't sit at home and think that God's going to deliver you a job in the mail. Uh, if you're praying for a husband or a wife, don't think that you can just sit at home and, you know, unless the, the UPS guy or girl that comes to your door is your type, God's not just going to deliver a wife or a husband to you. You've got to be proactive. You've got to go out and meet people. Right? The same thing goes with, with finding a job. And again, if you're collecting unemployment, it's a blessing. and It's awesome that we have this country where we have uh, health care and we have unemployment. We can take advantage of that. But be proactive. Put some action behind your faith. Otherwise, your faith is dead. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, um, verse 24. Uh, we also work to give to others. Uh, there are people who are willing to work, 
but they can't work, they can't find a job, they can't, pay, they can't make their mortgage payment. Or maybe they're a widow, they're a single mom or a single dad, and they have kids, and it's hard for them to work, and they got to stay home and watch the kids. Um, these, are what the, these are what the Bible called poor people. All right, the poor people are not the people that are unwilling to work, and they just sit at home and they want to collect an unemployment check, and they're not willing to work, and they're not proactive in seeking out a job. Those are not the poor people. I wouldn't give those people a dime. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to give a dollar to the, the homeless guy in the street in Boston that has a cup, but um, you know, some of these people, they just don't want to work. They're lazy, they're idle people. And the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in Thessalonians, not to have anything to do with these people. But there are legitimate people who want to work and they just can't find a job. Those are the poor people. Those are the widows. Those are the people we need to give and help out. So we're also called to give. Uh, Proverbs 11.24. Get that back up there, Fred. <laughs> Proverbs 11.24. A man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. If you're faithful with the little things, if you're faithful with the measly, you know, whatever, $100 you, you make a week or whatever it is, God will bless you with more and more. If you're believing God for a cool job that's going to pay well, but you can't even sweep the floors or you can't even work that, that job where you're handing out coffee or taking orders and people are talking into a goofy clown and you're taking orders in the drive-thru, if you can't be faithful there, how is God going to bless you with something more? God might have you there to produce a good work ethic in you so you can sweep those floors for the glory of God. Like we read in the Martin Luther um, quote, that God's just happy with clean floors. Not that you have to be dancing and lifting your hands and, and singing hymns and songs of praise as you sweep the floor, but sweep the floor so God can be glorified. So if someone comes after you and says, you know, who swept this floor? It looks nice. Every time I come in here, this floor is swept. Oh, Jimmy sweeped it. Oh, Jimmy's one of them born-again guys, one of them weird guys that goes to church and reads the Bible. You know, he's in here every day, and he does a good, good job, and he works well. Um, God will be faithful to bless us with more for faithful with what he gives us. Um, right now in life. So we be faithful with the little things and he'll bless us with more. Um, a man gives freely yet gains more. How is it that some people are rich and they keep getting rich? And some people are poor and they, and they can't seem to, to rub two nickels together and they can't seem to gather up enough money to start a savings account. Well, maybe you're unfaithful with your money. Maybe you're stingy with the money. Maybe you're a hoarder. I know a guy who hoards his money and we secretly kind of giggle and joke behind his back and, and say that he's kind of like a millionaire. Um, and he, you know, he's burying thousands of dollars in coffee cans in his backyard and, and saving them for a rainy day. And he's always wearing dirty clothes. And, but we know he has money. He, he's had people call up and um, leave messages on his phone saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm calling about, um, you know, the property you own in California and you haven't paid those taxes yet. And, you know, and what about the house in Hawaii? And, you know, these are things like his own family doesn't even know about. So we know he has a little bit of money. So we joke behind his back and, and tease him that he's a hoarder. Um, but maybe God hasn't blessed you with a, a better job because you don't work well. Or maybe you're not faithful with the things he's given you. Maybe you don't bless people who are in need. You want to hoard the money and keep it for yourself. Um, but a man who gives freely, there's rich people I know that um, they just keep getting more and more money because they're faithful. The more money they, they get, the more money they give out. And God will be faithful to bless you because he's given you, everything we have is God's. And if God gives me money, it's God's money. And if I give it out to his people, he's just going to keep giving me more money. He's going to keep blessing me because I'm in turn blessing others with it. I'm not hoarding it. It's not an idol in my life. I'm sending it out as it's coming in. And we need to be faithful with our money and set up uh, um, budgets and savings accounts and invest well. And I'm not saying every dime you get, you got to give. But God gives us money for a reason. He gives us Jobs for a reason. Um, in uh, Malachi chapter 3, um, the Lord says, you robbed me. And they say, how do we rob you, God? Well, with tithes and offerings. You don't give. You just keep getting and getting and keeping. And we rob God. Um, once I got a hold of the tithing principle and I put it in place in my life and I've actually practiced it for years and years, um, I've been blessed ever since. Um, I got laid off. There was a point in my life I got laid off. I had this great job. I loved the company. Um, I was serving at a great church. Um, I had a great girl that I was dating, and I lost all those three things. And they were probably idols in my life, and that's probably why I lost them. And all three of those things got taken from me. Um, but, you know, now I'm, I'm married. I have a better job. I'm making m twice the money that I was making back then, and I serve again at a great church. 
Um, once I got a hold of that principle of tithing and giving and, and offerings, God just blessed me and blessed me and blessed me. And we live in this economy that's just going down the toilet. And here I am. I've been with the same job for six years. And like I said, I make twice as much as I did before. And I try to be faithful and tithe. And Becker and I try to um, give and um, be a blessing to the church. And we need to give. That's not why you have, uh, I mean, that's why you have money. That's why I've been blessed with jobs. Not so you can just keep the money, but so you can give it back out and help those in need and, and bless the church. This church takes money to run, whether we want to realize it or not. Uh, this Bobby Brown microphone on my ear, that costs money. So we're called to be givers. We're called to work. We're called to work for the glory of God. We're called to work well, to glorify our Savior. You guys got me now? Cool. Um, we're called to, to work in the image and likeness of God. Um, and Jesus came, like I said, as a carpenter, taught us to work well, and we need to do that, to be a witness, to give people hope, and to worship God. Ultimately, we work for Jesus. Um, so I got four, um, four tips on how to be a good worker. Um, the first one is rest. And this came from Michael Davis. I don't know if he stole it from someone else. A good day's work starts the night before. Get some rest. Like I said, don't go to work. You know, wiping your eyes, not ready to work, not able to pay attention to what you're doing. Get some rest. I've been trying to go to bed at 9.30 because I get up at 5 o'clock sometimes, 4.30 sometimes, and travel an hour to work. Get some rest. Get the proper rest so you can be a good worker and a good employee. Uh, integrity. Um, every job is a self-portrait of the person who does it. Autograph your work with excellence. I don't know who said that. I just Googled it and it came up. But have integrity. Do your work well. Do it so that the next guy that comes down the corner or the next person that reads that report says, someone did a good job. They really cared about what they did here. Uh, knowledge and wisdom. Know your stuff. If you're an electrician like I am, uh, know how to perform your, your job well. Know the laws and regulations that go along with the field. If you're a dentist, know your stuff well. Know the tools that you work with. Keep up to date with technologies. If you're a secretary, if you're a, um, my wife's a doctor's assistant at, at a hospital. Um, if she's got to get coffee for him, even though she went to college and has a, a four-year degree in kinesiology, um, and I don't even know what that means, or took me a while just to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> don't feel degraded. Don't feel any less because you have to mail his letter or, or get him coffee. Get him coffee and get him coffee the way he likes it. Do it for the glory of God so that when you leave, he can give you an excellent reference and say, that girl did anything I asked her to do. She mailed my letters or got me coffee or whatever I did. She did it, and she did it with a smile. Be good workers. Know your stuff. Uh, motivation. Uh, look, the word of God is here for us to motivate us, to push us. We're working for Jesus ultimately, uh, to worship him with what we produce every day with our hands is our motivation. Every day is an offering to the Lord. When we come here, we lift our hands and we worship God. It's an offering to the Lord. When we go out there and we work with our hands, what we produce is our offering to the Lord. Are you doing sloppy work? Are you coming in late? Are you being disgruntled? Are you complaining? That's your offering to the Lord. Give an offering that is a worthy sacrifice that's pleasing to the Lord. So I hope I've opened you guys, I hope I, I've opened your eyes a little bit to work and, and what it is and that it's not just a nine to five thing, it's not just something that produces a paycheck, but it's something that we go and we worship God and we serve men well and we serve the Lord well. Um, I know I've, lear I've learned a lot preparing for this message and uh, I know the Lord's been teaching me and refining my work ethic and I know I have a long way to go. Um, so hopefully you guys have learned a little bit. The book of Proverbs is, is not a kind of book where you can just preach uh, a whole chapter on it. Um, it has, you know, one verse goes from how to be a good worker to stay away from prostitutes. So it's not a, you know, it's not a book full of stories, but it has awesome wisdom in it. And the book of Proverbs is filled with, with wisdom and, and, and knowledge on how to be a good worker and how not to be a slugger and, and be lazy. Um, so I, I think it fit well in our series in Proverbs. And um, I hope you guys learned a lot. Um, every week we take communion here in Genesis, and um, I hope some of you guys don't think that it gets old after a while doing it every week, um, but I hope it really does, does its job and, and brings to remembrance uh, the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Um, Christ came and died for us. He didn't have to, and like I said, it's the only religion, it's the only faith where uh, we preach that our God came down as a human being sacrifice himself on the, on the cross because we sinned and sin demands a payment and that payment, that, that payment is death um, and someone else paid that, that penalty, that payment for us. Um, 
So we take communion. It's, it's something for people who've dedicated their lives to the Lord. Um, if you're new here and you're not a Christian, uh, let this time kind of just go by and maybe think about uh, eternity. Maybe think about um, life and, and, and the hope that we have or the hope that you don't have that you need. And um, I'm going to read the scriptures in Matthew 26 uh, when Jesus had uh, the Last Supper and and he broke the bread and all that because uh, we don't do it every week, but I think it's cool just to refresh our memory and, uh, and read of it. Uh, so Matthew 26, uh, 26, I believe. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to, to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, um, when you drink of it, drink all of it. So do this in remembrance of Christ. Receive his body, receive his blood. Remember the sacrifice he gave for us. And that's why we worship him. That's why we sing to him. That's why we love him.